Welcome, Fibers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. It's time, once again, to join your hosts Q and J in the writer's room for an other stuff, too, discussion you'll definitely agree with. High Five, the podcast, is not responsible for your agreement or disagreement with our discussions, but if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. And now, on with the show. What, 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 what up, Jay? I don't know. You don't know? You don't know what's up? <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to accidentally stumble on, like, a great intro theme, and it's going to be something super catchy. It'll be like, but it won't be, like, the Mario theme, like most of mine are. I sure. usually default to the bow, but I don't want to do that. Um, but I'm going to stumble bop. into one on accident that's awesome, and people are going to love it. Nice. And when you do, I will make sure to edit it out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We can't, we can't, I can't have too many nice things. We can't, we can't have any nice things. This is why you can't have nice things, Jay. Exactly. Because when I do, you edit them out. You refuse to <laughs> let me have nice things, Q. Right, that's true. That's just another way of the man keeping you down. You know what I'm saying? And you are a man. You know what? I've never made that connection before. You know? You've ever wondered why I don't let you climb up the socioeconomic ladder? It's because I'm the man. Q, we figured it out. Q is the man. You know, you've always heard about that the man, like that kind of proverbial the man. I'm doing air quotes our listeners can't see. That's me. All of the times that you hear... The talk about the man, that's been me. Q, you're a bastard. I really am. Just a real asshole. Just <laughs> fucking up America and the rest of the world. One privilege at a time. <laughs> oh, God. So let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff. <laughs> you know what? Any other stuff. Let's talk about any other stuff. Moody and stuff. Cursive stuff. I love your stuff. Weird stuff. Sensitive stuff. Taxing stuff. Evil stuff. Piffing little stuff. Heavy stuff. Big boy stuff. Super cool stuff you wouldn't understand. Okay. Okay. So now that we've decided to talk about other stuff in that horrible topic that Any, we were talking about Anything earlier. else. You know what? That didn't exist. That was before the intro. Doesn't exist. That didn't exist. Before, that just didn't happen. Do you remember that history that happened? That didn't happen. That did actually. not happen. Forget about it. Revisionist history. We don't like it. Doesn't make us feel great about ourselves. So it didn't, didn't happen. happen. <laughs> did not happen. Um, so speaking of things that did not happen and did happen, Ooh. Uh, Jay, uh, first off, I'd like to welcome everyone to another other stuff Two episode, uh, one of our bi-weekly episodes where we sit down and chat about the other stuff too. Instead of ranking movies, we just chat about our interesting lives and they're so super interesting, like crazy interesting, like the most interesting lives. I went to Chick-fil-A this week. <laughs> did you? And Once. what did you have? What was your order? Chicken. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. So, no I had a chicken sandwich. Perfect. Very lovely. Mm-hmm. Had a pickle on there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Popeye's, but they were sold out across America. Got it. So I went mm-hmm. to Chick-fil-A instead. Yeah. It was it was lovely. What was your beverage of choice? Um. Oh, you know, I went with a Diet Coke. This ah, week, good. Sometimes nice. I'll go back and forth. I'll get like a sweet tea or maybe a sure. water, but uh, Diet Coke was the choice today. You ice? know what? Ice? Uh, no ice? D- uh, definitely some ice, but also only one Chick Fil A dipping sauce. 
Oh, really? Yeah, living on the edge. I'm Whoa. trying to cut back. But like you like could have actually ran the risk of running out of dipping sauce while eating your meal. That's I know. that's and, crazy. And, and the Chick-fil-A dipping sauce is very very good. It and so good. the the you know what I it, you know this about me Q, I like to live on the edge. I know. So I I'm do. like, you know what? I'm going to get less dipping sauce than I think I need. And then I'm always going to live in a state of anxiety about not having it. Whoa. Whoa. That Just, is like. D- Q, I'm a dangerous motherfucker. That is heavy shit, I, man. I don't even know. We All should right, just stop for the joining ep- us for this <laughs> yeah. other stuff too episode. That was great. That was it, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next Q, week. What uh, what upper scale fast food places did you eat at this week? Uh, oh, I tried a new fast food place here in Omaha. Yeah, uh, it's called Bronco Burger. Ooh, is uh, that uh, an offshoot from a Quentin Tarantino universe? It does feel like it. It and sounds it like it should looks, be an offshoot of Quentin Tarantino's and world. And it looks like it. Really? Uh, yeah, it's just very like. 50s 60s esque like design aesthetic <laughs> I like with it. like a cowboy as their mascot you know well of course um, it, it was pretty good uh turns out they hand cut their french fries every single day oh look at the big balls so, on bronco so you know i mean there's that it was delicious and i ate mine with zero ketchup just to hey throw that out there you're cutting Not, back too no ketchup on a single fry not at That's all. That's how is that how good the fries were, or did they just not have ketchup? I just forgot to get ketchup. But that is I was also living dangerously <laughs> by forgetting to get ketchup. Um Let's so, see, what yeah, else so did I uh, eat this week? <laughs> well, welcome to Fast Food Talk with High Five. Uh, <laughs> I love that we kept this bit going for six <laughs> minutes and 20 seconds. I know, so long. <laughs> Plenty of time for people to tune out. You know if what? They, if they Fuck don't everybody. Tune out, this is an other stuff, too. This totally qualifies. If they don't tune out over uh, the, the white... Uh, privilege comments. The satirical or, white hate comments. Or, or the satirical owning of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> or uh, just a plain, flat-out discussion of fast food eating. <laughs> then now they can tune out because we've officially passed that part. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, I guess we should talk about the other stuff that's on our plates. Yeah. The um. <laughs> Not literally. The figurative other stuff. Uh we did something very interesting this week, and I know you did too, and I, I have literally been just like crawling out of my skin to talk to you about this. Okay. Uh, going so far as calling you the night that we both <laughs> did this thing, <laughs> because I immediately wanted to discuss it with you, and you said, hey, 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 how did you get my number? <laughs> First off, I've changed it a lot. Yeah, and you so, keep getting it. First off, how did you get my number? Second off, save this for the recording on Sunday. Third off, I'm in the bathroom. Right. Uh, that is that's a true fact, guys. <laughs> Jay was actually in the bathroom when I called. Um, we went and saw it, chapter two. So did we. And the I know. ironic thing is, and I was wrong, Q. You're gonna love this. I told you our tickets were for six forty five. Yeah. They were for six thirty. What? We, we saw it at the exact same at time? At the exact same time in oh, different states. My gosh. We went and saw It Chapter 2 together, essentially. That's amazing. I, I actually really love that fact. That is so awesome. And what'd you think? You know what? I've seen a lot of reviews kind of on both sides of the fence for this. Mm-hmm. Personally, mm-hmm. I am on the team that really liked this movie. 
I also really liked the movie. Okay, thank you. I was I was wondering if we were going to have like a Last Jedi-esque conversation no. about this. I was super into this. Now, let me state. I'll start this conversation by saying I am aware that there were many changes made from the book. Sure. And I am aware that it was long because I was also in the movie. Sure. But to be honest... Looking at it outside of a how close was this to the book adaptation, I loved what they did with this movie. I thought the the runtime didn't bother me. I thought that they set up I, I guess my only complaint would there be there would be a couple of times that I think the tone shifted to be like not what I wanted it to be. Sure. But I mean, overall, I had a very, very good time watching it chapter two. Um, what, what about you? Let's start I, with general I'll and then agree. we can kind of dive into some of the specifics. Okay. So one of the things, a general, general feeling is, uh, a, this was a much bigger movie. So I really dug the fact that it, it, like I was into it right from that opening scene, which we can discuss a little more in depthly. It, yes. it like, it grabbed me by the shirt collar and pulled me in. Um, one thing that and I don't know how people may feel about this. Some people have been listing it as a negative, but the fact that it was not as scary, I actually enjoyed more. See, that was something that I brought up to Amanda as well. Is And I think I even said this to you, is I liked it just as much as I liked the first one. Maybe not as much as the first sure. one, but it wasn't as scary scary now there were horrifying images there were you oh, know definitely. head spiders and there were eyeballs and dead bats and all sorts of scary imagery in the movie baby headed locusts it yes oh my god <laughs> um but the movie wasn't as like scary scary but that was okay cuz i still felt like it was a good movie right. like i was still very invested right it was a good story and that's how i felt is uh, Haley and I both on the way, and I'm not going to lie, I saw the first movie with you. I was full of anxiety for the first movie, and I honestly <laughs> was full of anxiety for this movie. And I right. went to the theater, and both Haley and I were like, oh, God, like I'm excited to see this, but oh, God, I am so nervous <laughs> to see this. And as like the longer we sat there, the more we were like, we were able to enjoy the movie as opposed right. to letting that anxiety of how horrifying it's going to be, like kind of take over. So we were allowed, right. we were uh, allowed, I guess is the best word to put it. We were allowed to like invest ourselves in the story that right. was being told. Um, now that's not to say that this movie wasn't without its jump scares. Like you said, I mean, they definitely oh, had course. some like quality moments that like spooked us. Yeah. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it because I was able to, like, relax and invest in it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was really good, man. Um, well, then, then let's dive into some more specifics of it. Cool. So, guys, I, we'll try to stay away from, like, major spoilers. And there's some stuff, like, at the end, like, some reveals at the end that I don't want to spoil for people because I thought the movie did a very good job of building to some of those. Sure. But... Um, let's talk about some like things. Let's start with the negative. So let's start talk about if there were things that didn't work for us or that we okay. didn't like, and then we can talk about some of the things that we did really. I've like got about. one just right off the top. 
Okay. I've got two that come to mind pretty quick, um, and then the rest I could dig into. Okay. The first one that just right off the top, one of the things I didn't love is I feel like their CGI use was very heavy and sometimes very apparent. That That's one of mine. Honestly, that is the big – I think that was even one of the things that I told Amanda is my biggest problem with this is the over-reliance on CGI. Right. Particularly, and, are you thinking the the old woman? The old woman was part of it, although I will say that was – that whole scene uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the old Marsh apartment, sure. I love. Sure. I was fine. I was okay with the old woman. I'm specifically thinking of – the fortune cookie scene. Oh, yeah. It was very CG. <laughs> well, and here's what I told Amanda is I would actually have been okay with the fortune cookie scene having CGI when everything was moving around. Sure. But I wanted, like, Bill Hader's Richie to open a fortune cookie and then be holding a gooey something eyeball right. that I can tell is in his hand. And then he drops it and, like, freaks out, and then it starts to move on the table, and it's CGI. Right. I would be okay with something like that, but there were a lot of times when I felt like they could have done something practically, and then they chose not to. Right. And there were those moments where I was like, oh, man. Like, the nine-foot-old naked lady, yeah, I get that you know that's CGI, and that's totally fine. I could tell, but I wasn't bothered by sure. it. But, you know— a disembodied head on the floor or an eyeball that's supposed to be in someone's hand and all gooey. Right. I want there at least to be a shot of it real. Oh, I will somewhere. say, okay, so yes, some of the disembodied heads. Now we're not talking about the spider head, right? Because that one No, no, that was that awesome. looked amazing. <laughs> that looked great. And I even love that it was sort of a a a nod back at the original when Stan's head was in the refrigerator yeah. in the library. Exactly. It, Cause it's in a now refrigerator Stan's head came out of a refrigerator. Exactly. No, I really like Dug that. It. And I will say, and I'll try and stay away from spoilers cause I want to talk about the end, but I also thought the CGI of Pennywise at the end was also really great. Very good. And especially comparative to anything else that we've gotten, you know, giant monster wise exactly. from the it series, whether the mini series in the nineties or now I thought, I honestly thought the end was superb. Sure. Personally. I agree. Um, I, yes. And now there were a couple things that I felt because I had read the book were a little telegraphed along the way, uh -huh. but I really do believe, and I can't, I, it was even tough because, uh, well, I may can ask you this because I couldn't ask Amanda because she's read the book. But did were you telegraphed by any of the the deaths that came? Uh, did you predict any of them? Uh, okay, so of the two deaths that happened, I knew that they happened because they happened in okay, the miniseries. So, okay, but I didn't know like if you thought they may have changed or if you didn't know who was going to die. Uh, now, obviously, there's one of them that's pretty – like happens right away, right? And the a other big one deal. happens in the miniseries. I mean, not the mini. I keep saying the miniseries. It's not a miniseries. It's a movie. It happens in the old. Yeah, movie. the two part movie. Yeah, right. That happens, right? It 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 does. I just didn't know if you thought okay. maybe they changed it. No, no. I was I was waiting no. for that. Um, okay. But I will say, as going with somebody, because I went with Haley, and she's never read the book or seen the original miniseries. Oh. So this was totally new, and she didn't know about any of the deaths, period. 
Okay, so she was shocked by both of them? Definitely. She awesome. was like, what? Awesome. What? Well, because that second one, especially at the beginning of the third act when they start establishing that character trait of him being an overt coward. Right. I was like, oh, they're leading up to this. Right. But if she didn't catch that, if that didn't like pull her out of it or like kind of, I guess, foreshadow what was going to happen for her, then great. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it did. Um, okay. I mean, in hindsight, I didn't really think about it that way that yes, they did kind of like build that up for a hero moment, so to speak. Yeah, they kind of did. But then again, we were expecting it. Like, sure. I was expecting that. So when they started to do that, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. Right. Um, I will say that um, to kind of get more granular, some of the things that I really enjoyed. Um, oh, yes. well, hold on. Before we get to that, the one other thing that bugged me, because there's only really two that like bugged me. The other one, yeah. and I said it as soon as we left the movie, was... I really, really felt like Henry Bowers was underused. Thank you. That was my other one, too. It felt is... it felt like a huge buildup for his character yep. uh, with some scenes that really made it feel like, ooh, he is going to be a major player pawn mm-hmm. in Pennywise's long game. Yep. And then he just kind of shows up for two quick moments, and then it's just done. And it's like, yeah. well, okay. Like, that didn't feel like it amounted to anything. And even, spoiler alert, a little bit, when he's killed, I was like, oh, well, that's not the end. Right. Like, he's not dead. But it, And then he, like, and I was like, well, how could he survive that? And then he didn't. And I was like, oh, all right, I guess. Exactly. And that's kind of, now, I do have a question for you. Is that how it plays out in the book? No. No, not Does at all. He? That's one of the things that I think people are referencing when they talk about, like, the the big changes from the book. Okay, so here's, here's one thing that um, I guess will be a connection for the book. And a little bit of a spoiler for this movie. In the book, both Bill's wife, Audra, the actress from the beginning, uh-huh. and Bev's husband, who's a dickhead, uh-huh. both come to Derry. Oh, okay. And Bev's husband becomes a crony of it, Pennywise, and starts working basically with Henry Bowers oh. to kill the losers. And then Audra gets kidnapped. Oh. So... That element is going on. And so basically throughout the novel of It, Henry Bowers is always in the background almost killing the loser. So he's more of a menacing presence throughout. Got it. It sort of works the same way. Like he's in an insane asylum. Um, it's not Hofstetter who comes back as a zombie. It's Belch. It was the fat kid from the okay. first movie. Um, but he comes back and becomes his like ghost chauffeur, just like in this movie. And helps him escape the mental asylum. And then he just goes around and starts attacking the losers, basically. Got it. He does attack Mike in the library. Like, the, some of the beats happen, but it's definitely not played the same way as in this movie. I- and that was actually one of the things that I had told Amanda is I thought that was underutilized. And it was unnecessary for, to have Hofstetter be that zombie. Because Pennywise never does that in ever in any other version of this story sure like he doesn't manifest a zombie to drive someone around that is visible by other characters all of that should be happening in in um bowers Bowers head head. yeah i agree with that um so yeah okay well then that but other than that like those were my two things as well like you nailed the two things that i thought is overuse of cgi 
underuse of Henry Bowers. And then sometimes I thought they tried to go for a laugh when they didn't need to. Mainly with Eddie's adult character. Sure. I will I thought Richie did enough of the comedy that Eddie's didn't hit as hard. Right. There was one other thing and I have to ask about this, and this this leans towards the CGI aspect. I think I know what you're gonna ask because I have the same question. The de aging of the children. So I I asked Haley because she was uh, I was aware that they had done this going into sure. the movie. Haley was unaware, and I just asked her flat out as soon as we left the movie. I said, "Did you notice anything at all strange about the children when you saw the ch- the right. kid scenes?" And she kind of like sat for a minute and was like, "Not really." And I was like, "So nothing awesome. nothing felt weird." Or off, and she was like, not that I can think of, and then she's like, why? And I was like, well, because they were all digitally, de- or se- several of them more so than others, Ben yeah, and Richie were, and <laughs> Eddie uh, were heavily uh, CGI de-aged, and their voices were digitally yeah. like toned down. Um, like so that they had yeah they were they'd made higher pitches or whatever right uh, because they had several of them had gone through puberty and now had like deeper voices and so to me it was blaringly obvious like especially on Ben yeah. Ben and Richie were the two that I noticed and had pointed out to Amanda now every now and then kind of a little bit of Mike. But not as much. Ben and Richie, I know. Richie, honestly, for me, more than anybody, because I think they overemphasized how big his eyes his glasses were. Made. His eyes. Yeah. Yes, his eyes. They, I think they made them bigger than they than the actual glasses made Finn Wolfhard's eyes in the first one. Yeah. I noticed it on Richie more than anybody else, and then Ben. Right. So it was Richie and then Ben were in that But rank. for me, it was Eddie's voice. Yes. That was the most obvious, and they did, and I couldn't tell if this was a thing or what, but it almost felt like all of his dialogue was sped up. Does that make Okay, I noticed something weird about the way that he, he talked Like, everything was well. talking really fast, and he was just kind of, like, talking like this, and da, 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 da. and I'm like, I don't remember that from the first, like, his character talking right. like that in the first movie. I remember him being frenetic in that way, but I don't think it was as pronounced. And I wonder if it's just the, like the vocal acuity of it being a higher pitch makes it sound like it's going faster. But I did notice it with Eddie's voice. Now, let me ask you this. So I had a question about the CGI de-aging. So I'm glad we got here. When they de-aged them, do you think they made them look more like their adult counterparts in some, in some instances? Uh, Yes, in Ben, I think so. Um, yeah. I think they like moved his eyes a little bit. I think they did. And and okay, so do you know? Remember, there's that scene in the movie where it's old Eddie standing at the pharmacy counter. Yes, and then he fades out as young Eddie walks into frame, yes. and it's basically their faces merge right as old Eddie like fades away. Right. Yes. They didn't do that with any other character in the movie, but they did it in a way that it looked so much like Eddie grew up into that guy. Right. Like the features matched exactly. Yeah. And I, it made me think, I wonder if they de-aged Jack Dylan Grazer, I think is his yeah. name. 
I wonder if they did his de-aging in a way that made him look more like James Ransomi or Ra- Ransom. I don't know how to Par- say his name. Pa- very possibly. Like, I don't see why that... If they're already in there with the computer making him yeah. look younger slash yeah. different, why not add a, like, little cheek somethings to make him look more like the actor? I will say I, that's a perfect jumping off point to my next thing I wanted to address, though. One of the things I was most impressed with with this movie was the casting of the adult yes. versions of the kids. Yes. I have never in my entire life and history of watching movies, I have never seen more spot on visually casting than I saw in yep. this movie. And oddly enough, Haley was the first one to bring it up to me. The only one who I honestly didn't and she also didn't feel like it was really that person was James McAvoy um, because his neck's not as long as that kid. He doesn't. He looks kind of like yeah. like um uh Le- I forget that kid's name Jared Lieber Boy. or something like that. Wait, are you talking about the actor yeah, or the, the actor, character? B- well, Bill, Jaden, something, Jaden, Mar- Marshall, yeah. Martell, something like that. Um, they um. By the way, that kid changed his name. His, oh, his really? name was originally Jaden Lieberer, and that's how he's listed in It Chapter 1, and now he's Jaden Martell. Okay, interesting. He went a Jonah Hill route, but he changed it after he became known. Like, after no, Yeah, it's very weird. But he was the only one, and honestly, part of me is kind of wishing they would have cast a less-known actor for Bill, because... yeah. All of the other ones, like even Bill Hader to me, Perfect. became that character. Like I was no longer like, I'm just watching Bill Hader be in a movie. And I can't say I the same thing about him enough. I agree. I can't say the same thing, though, about James, James McAvoy or James McAvoy or however yeah. you want to say his name. I here's, the whole time I was thing. like, that's James McAvoy being Bill. He, here's my here's here's my thing. I think, and as much as it pains me to say this, because I truly do like James McAvoy. Same. I think he's the worst part of this movie. I will agree with that. Outside of, uh, let me say one other thing. I think the actor who played grown-up Henry Bowers played him too much One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Totally. Twelve Monkeys, as opposed to, like, silent and deadly No Country for Old Men crazy. Sure. I felt like he did it too bad, but he wasn't a major character, so I'm not really counting him. McAvoy, to me... While he's a great actor, and I think the mannerisms that he got, like the stutter, the the you know the dedication, the the fear, I think he nailed that on an acting level. Sure, but but it it just didn't he didn't fit like everybody else did. Right. And the ones that I was worried about, like the um, I don't let me look up his name, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, oh. Uh, well, Isaiah Mustafa and Jay Ryan. Those were the two that I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know about these casting choices. I loved both of them. Yeah, I really— I thought Isaiah Mustafa did great. And, and he was one that obviously—or <laughs> my only uh, knowledge of him was from the Old Spice commercial. So I'm like, right. can this—I don't even As know like if this dude can guy. even act. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what his capabilities no. are. But he was a great Mike. Like, and— And he— he got the mannerisms of the mic as the younger totally. kid well. I thought he played sort of the I've been driven crazy by this pretty well. Right. Like, I liked his energeticness and, like, because everyone else 
it doesn't remember anything. It's not as urgent to them. That's the, the urgency. His urgency with the character, I very much believed. Like, could you remember in early on, and this may have been from the Carrie Fukunaga uh, draft, but the Mike Hanlon character was going to be like a crack addict or yes. something. Do you remember those yes. rumors? Yes. I think they changed that in this to have his parents be Drug like addicts. rumored to be crack addicts and then him to sort of be driven crazy by the tea or whatever that he drank. I will say but, that. Or maybe he's kept using that right. route. I don't know. I kind of wanted them to explore that a little bit is does he use this route a lot? Right. Like, is that why he's so kind of. Frenetic. I will say I loved that they went back and kind of gave because honestly, as someone who had never written read the book, um, I didn't understand why Mike was seeing burning people in a building, right? Um, and they that context really didn't come out until this movie, yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So they kind of did like a Back to the Future three newspaper type thing, exactly. But I will <laughs> say this though. One of the most blaring things that felt odd to me, and I don't know if this is a book structure thing, they, like, retconned this movie to show you events that didn't happen in the first movie, and it was under the guise of, oh, we just forgot about it. But I right. was like, I don't know. It felt it felt weird. Like they were like, Hey, do you remember this huge thing that played a giant point in our lives that we never talked about in the first movie, even though the audience saw the first movie from the perspective of our memories as right. it was happening. You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally like, get and that. I mean here's the my... clubhouse in particularly like, okay. So yes, here's, here's what's interesting is some of that is, is from the book, like the clubhouse, the underground, like clubhouse that Ben builds sure. totally from the book. Um, it's not structured in the same way. So like the lost summer memories, right. it's not structured in that way. Like Bill, uh, Richie's encounter with the Paul Bunyan mm -hmm. and his memories of the Paul Bunyan and all of that, that those happen in the normal narrative of the book, sure. just like everything else does. Um, and so his flashbacks become pertinent in that way. Um, the the underground um, thing they actually use in the book that underground clubhouse uh -huh. as the smokestack for for the Native American tribe to do like the ritual so they can all see what Mike shows Bill at the beginning of the movie. Got it. So like <clears throat> in the movie, the way that that plays out is it's not Mike taking Bill up to his attic in the library and having him and like drugging him with the tea. That's not how it happens. Uh, they read about the ritual of Chewed, and then they do it, and the ritual is basically creating a smokehouse, and then they have to sit in the smokehouse and, like, hallucinate, but only two of them can stand it. And so Mike and Richie, or Bill, I think three of them. So Mike, Richie, and Bill are the only people that stay in the smokehouse long enough to have the vision of it coming down as an alien. Got it. And so, so all that happens, it's just in a different order and a different way, but the pieces are all kind of scattered in there. And then the last thing that I just really got to <clears throat> harp on, not harp on, but like give praise to is give Bill Sarsgaard all of the awards. Like, so, oh my goodness, the dude, the, the scene under the bleachers, dude, he crushes was so that. good. His, I mean, all of his performances are amazing in this movie. Like he is yeah. never 
there is not a single scene where I'm like, well, he kind of phoned that in or anything. Like, yeah. it all feels 110% is what's given every single time. And he is, like, he has officially replaced Pennywise in my head as, like, I, Pennywise. Honestly, now when I think of the Pennywise story, I think of the, Hiya, Georgie. Right. Like, I think of his inflection and intonation. And I know I've heard, like, other podcasts and either reviewers say that he takes it too far. Like, he's too much eating up the scenery. Sure. But I can't disagree. I can't disagree with that enough. Like, I think he just nails it for what this movie needed. I 100% agree. Um, oh, and it was just like, and I, and I keep going, and I, I mentioned it, but the under the bleachers scene in this new one, that's not from the book. That's completely new. The way that he changes tactics to get the girl to like pity him and come forward. And then, you know, he's like, well, I can just blow that birthmark away. And then that's where he bites. Her. Oh, and oh that's not, that's not a book scene. That's not a book scene. Okay, so the opening though with um, Adrian Mellon, with Adrian Mellon, that is a book scene, and that is exactly how the book scene plays out. Is it's him and his boyfriend contemplating either being in town or moving, then being attacked by uh, homophobic dairy people, thrown into a river, and then uh, ripped apart by it. And to be clear, dairy people, as in dairy. People that live in dairy, not people made out of dairy or milkmen. Right. No, that's another horror movie. Got it. That uh, we're very keen. Uh, now, I will say that scene was incredibly hard to watch. Like that was a it was brutal scene, um, and it definitely it made. Honestly, here, here's what I'll say about that scene. And because it opens the movie, yeah, it almost. I never felt that level of existential dread or personal just like, oof, this is tough. Right. Again in the movie. It almost felt like that opening scene had a different tone. Yeah. And I kind of – I don't know if I wish the rest of the movie had that, but I will I will say that that was the most uncomfortable and filled with dread that I was through the whole I movie. will agree with that statement. Can I also say – and I know this even though I haven't read the book – I know that that scene was given more context by the way that this movie ended up playing out. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I don't want to spoil that because that's new. That is not something that is from the book. But yep. can I say that I think if you're going to add something, that was so perfectly well executed. Was, and I think Stephen King had a hand in doing that. He helped rewrite some of the end to take it past where the book ends. Okay. And I think he had a hand in that decision. Does the book end just when with the defeat of the clown? Kind kind of. The book ends actually closer to how the miniseries ends. So in the book, Audra gets kidnapped, Bill's wife. Sure. And they go down there and do, you know, all their stuff. Sure. And then but she's catatonic at the end of it. Oh. So everybody kind of leaves the same way that they do in this movie. Got it. But Bill can't leave without Audra, you know, being better. And so he stays in town with Mike and then actually starts to take her on bike rides on silver. And then through the course of the bike rides, um, she starts to gain consciousness again. Ah, okay. And it kind of comes back around to, you remember the line in the movie where when Stephen King asked James McAvoy, is it fast? And he says fast enough to beat the devil. Yeah. 
that comes back around to basically being like silver is something important to Bill's character. Like when he was upset about Georgie, when he was a kid, he would ride his bike to out, to outrun the devil and get away from his depression. And when he was older, he, you know, the bike, Mike found that bike cause it was important to Bill and you know, that established their friendship. And then, you know, it helped Audra get back to where she was and outrunning the curse that was Pennywise on her. So that, and so the book ends with Bill and Audra kind of reconnecting and her coming back to. Got it. Now I will ask you this because we've, we've talked about uh, the book and comparisons before, I think in a previous episode when we talked about it, chapter one, Um, but were you disappointed at the, or were you pleased with the level of metaphysic metaphysics that were introduced? Do you think it could have gone yeah. further or you, it, were you like, well, that's good. That's good enough. I'm fine with this. It definitely could have gone further, but I was perfectly fine with what I got. So them introducing the native Americans and kind of that dream basket that yeah. they had the, you know, they actually mentioned the ritual of chewed, which is awesome. Um, the level of metaphysicality in the book goes to the point where you know you know all the turtle references uh-huh. throughout the movies. Yeah. Well, there is in in the book there is basically a spiritual plane of existence where creatures like it and Pennywise and creatures that feed off fear and anger and hate and death exist. And so he came to our plane of existence, and there is a giant turtle called Maturin that protects our world, basically. Okay. And he is revealed as the guiding force that sort of is protecting the Losers Club and giving them what they need and helping them out in different instances. And so it gets a lot more to the level of we are partnering with this cosmic turtle Got it. to fight this intergalactic spider demon. Got it. And th- so it gets to that level of metaphysicality, which – this story and this movie couldn't have justified unless it did something completely different. Sure. And I don't want it to have done something completely different. I was happy with what I got. I liked that they introduced that he was either an interdimensional being or an alien. Right. I liked that there was, you know, some sort of hallucination and ritual that went into it. And then I liked that they flipped that on its head and made it a little bit stronger. And so I liked all that. I dug that a lot. I also like the little jabs they took at Stephen King throughout the movie of Bill's endings not being very good because that's something that Stephen King gets made fun of a lot about is about his the endings of his books aren't as good as the actual stories. Yes. And especially with the It story, um, that has been thrown at him for decades. So the fact that they built that into the movie, I thought that was pretty funny. So all in all, an enjoyable experience. All in all, I thumbs up. Now, we haven't talked about him so far, but I do want to kind of put a button on this conversation by just giving as much praise as I can to Bill Hader. Yes. Um, not only was he genuinely funny throughout, but he was funny in like a tortured, pained, realistic way that is hard to do. Like, I saw him do it in Skeleton Twins. Did you ever see Skeleton Twins Mm-mm. with him and Kristen Wiig? Mm-mm. Great. They're kind of like a dysfunctional brother-sister family who are reconnecting over some family trauma. It's awesome. But it has a lot of that of he's he's obviously using humor as a defense. Sure. And he is so perfect. Like, he made me laugh so much in this movie, and I appreciated that in a three-hour-long movie. Sure. 
No, I, I, I will totally agree with that. Now, speaking of three hours long, have you heard the rumor that we may be getting a super cut of the two movies? I would love it. Yeah, we're getting... <laughs> I personally so would love it. apparently, uh, the director, Andy Machete, um, has said that there are actual talks happening of making a super cut of the movie and him filming more additional scenes what? that would help to kind of bridge some of the gaps that he feels like he wanted to put in the in these um so and then he could do what what tarantino did and release it on netflix right. as like an eight-part series. series so it's being it's it there there are not just rumors at this point but there are actual like founded possibilities that we may Heck be yeah. getting a six plus hour cut super cut of it um, with yep. new scenes, with newly yep. filmed scenes, and I love. I it. would be so on board with that. I um, can't. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. So thanks for joining us for other stuff too in it chapter two. Uh, My goodness, yes, other stuff. It chapter two. Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, Jay, you want to go perform the ritual of chewed with me? Oh, man, can we? Oh, God, I thought you'd never ask. I asked, but I thought you would never ask in response to my ask. Let's go do the ritual of chew. Let's do it. Hey, breathe this smoke in. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's time to close the door to the writer's room once again as this week's award-winning High Five, the podcast episode, comes to an end. Feel free to reach out to the guys with your suggestions for episode topics by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast, on Twitter at high the number five the podcast, Instagram at high five the podcast, or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, and drop the show a five-star rating if you like what you hear. Even if you don't like what you hear, give us a high rating anyway. What's it costing you? Nothing. That's what we thought. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.